exclamation. Perlative, she can't come up with enough. Absolute. Incredible performance. Shock it all in college basketball. UNBC makes history in Charlotte. Most people don't reach their dream, not because of failure. Most people don't live their dream because they give up. You see, it's not the failure that stops us, but that most stop at their first failure. Those who succeed don't stop at one failure. They don't stop at 10 failures. They don't stop at 100, 1,000, or a million. They say, this is my goal, and I will do whatever it takes to achieve it. I will learn the lessons from any failures. I will learn faster. I will work harder. I will work smarter. And I will not quit until my dream is a reality. That's the difference between success and failure. Failure makes winners stronger. Failure makes winners hungrier. But it makes most give up. It makes most feel worthless. Winners don't enjoy failure. But they would never let failure stop them. Next time you encounter failure, you got to remember every great thing on this planet is here because the Creator learned what did work, but learned more from what did not work. When we are kids, we don't stop at failure. When we first learn to ride a bike, it's failure after failure. We get knocked down time after time, but we get up and push forward until we achieve our goal of riding the bike. But then, we get old, and most of us get weak. We are too soft to get back on the bike. We come up with excuses. It must not be for me. No, you just soft. No, you just lazy. Tell yourself the truth. Get back on the bike. Learn why you fail, and make sure you don't fall again. Make sure you are stronger for having the lesson. Failure is not the end of your story. It is the start of your comeback story. If failure was the end of your story, there would be no greats. Greats like Jordan, greats like Einstein, like Edison, like Oprah Winfrey. If these people stopped at failure, the world would not be filled with their greatness as it is today. Failure is nothing but a lesson to the winner. Failure is nothing but motivation to the winner. Failure is fuel. No one likes to fail, but the difference between those that win and those that lose in life is the winner decides a better meaning for their failure. They decide never again. They declare, I will be better next time. Don't let failure stop you. Let it grow you. Let it develop you. Failure is not the end. It's just the start. The start of your comeback story. The only way you can call it a failure is if you quit. If you keep going, it's only a hurdle. One you will overcome. The only way you can fail is if you quit. Never. See, I've been waiting. Waiting on that time. Feel me if you've been waiting on yours. That moment, 
Tired of living day to day like everything's alright Just waiting on that moment Waiting on my moment Old dude met mom, it was on Then he named me over a phone Prison term, live and learn Sip and serve with my vision blurred Take this cup of reality, niggas finna earn when you start from the bottom, you can see the top So when you get to it, don't let them see the spot Next thing you know, you're looking for a rent sign Upper echelon Bitch, we skip line I remember reminiscing in the kitchen like I wonder when them braids gon' win it I wonder when them falcons gon' get here Pirates vision made more than I ever made with DTP this year oh. Try to live in day to day like everything's alright Every night just one thing on my mind I'm just waiting on that moment Waiting on my moment What's happening people? What's happening? You are what it do And y'all know who It's your boy RVA who baby We back we back and we full tilt this week. It's fucking March. I'm on it. Man. I got a lot on my mind today, baby. So we just diving right into it. We going basketball right now, baby. It's March Madness. We got some shit to prove. We got some shit to handle. It is the official revenge tour of 2019. I hate to come off all brash, brody, and disrespectful in the intro, but I had to let y'all know. You can't ever forget that shit. Because we walked it, we lived it, and we still living it. So y'all know them players ain't. So we need to come in the same way. Aggressive and hungry as fans, baby. Every bucket. Clapping, cheering, yelling. It's that time, man. And you know, you know I'm talk, that's, that's, I want to talk about some shit that's bothering me right now. You know, I feel like a lot of fans are fixated on just the expected shit. These ACC regular titles are nothing anymore. Like, what the fuck does that matter? What is the ACC regular tournament title? What an ACC regular season title to an ACC tournament title? What's the ACC tournament title to losing to a 16 seed? To not making it to an Elite Eight. What's being a one seed and not making it to the Final Four. That shit don't mean nothing. You know how much that shit is worth to me? A squirrel fart. You know how little that gas is you got to push across the room? That little ass poop. Y'all better stop playing, dog. These expectations are like this for a reason. Because we used and we, we have become accustomed to seeing... Two losses in the ACC a year. One or two losses out of conference. So now the expectation, the bar needs to be raised. I'm sorry. If we ain't bringing back gold, or if we ain't at least two of the last four, what the hell was we doing this season? What are we even talking about? How many coach of the years do we need to win so it fucking matter about the ship. The only thing that we need to care about is the ship. You beat everybody's ass every day till then. Going into the tournament, beat everybody's ass. Clean house. Straight disrespectful 32-foot three-pointers. All game. 
Look at the sideline. Don't you think I ain't hear that shit? You think we ain't hear it? You think you think Kyle ain't hearing it coming off a pick, making the next every single time? It is the time for revenge, and that's exactly how I feel. I got about a thousand bookmark tweets that I mean I'm gonna bring pure Hiroshima out of that motherfucker. They better pray to the heavens above that this ain't what time it is, that these dogs ain't about to get it popping. Like they I know they about to get it popping. Because to me, the the field is Duke and Virginia. Here I am again, and I'm gonna say this on record. Again, go back on my tweets. Coming up is about to be the third of four meetings with Duke. Three of four. You think about that. As long as I win the last meeting, I don't give a damn. Yeah, we lost the first two. What's the third meeting? What's the fourth meeting? As long as I win the last one, I don't give a damn. You know, our team is so well-rounded this year, it's hard to believe we can't make it there. You see teams like Gonzaga, who play sorry-ass St. Mary's, taking them down the stretch. Tennessee's a good team, man. They're a good, strong team. So is Will Wade, boys, down there at LSU. That's a fucking good team. That's a, that's a team that worries me in the conference, in, in, the, in the bracket. Houston, another one. That's a sleeper, man. There's a couple teams out there that... We cannot take lightly. You need to just go out and bust their ass. We don't have time, and we need to stop with these sloppy-ass turnovers. I don't know where this game coming from this year, but us with the ball is just sloppy Joe. Straight sloppy Joe. Meat all on the plate. Take a bite out the bun, you get meat on the plate. The fuck? We got to clean that shit up. That shit ain't flying in March, man. It's not flying in March. It's not flying in March. Another thing that ain't flying in March is some of y'all, y'all ain't going to like this. Because I know y'all love y'all God, Jack Salt. But, I mean, if we don't start bringing Ivan Drago's nephew's cousin off the bench to set picks, hard fouls, and just volleyball rebounds, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do this tournament. It's teams are not game planning against Jack Salt. Teams are game planning Four on five. And leaving Jack Saw open every time. 15 feet from the fucking basket. And he can't make one dribble and put it off the glass. That could be the fucking mega difference, man. That's a huge difference, though. That that stretches the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like when Mamadé's in there. You cannot leave him because he will hit you with a post move and yam that money. Candy yams. Jay Huff offensively and then on top of that with Jay man he brings a whole nother element he's a stretch big he one of the motherfuckers that you hate to come across at the park in 2k as a fucking seven foot shooter shooting baseline threes green lighting the monies getting all the rebounds in the air dunking in the air for like six seconds and his feet barely leaving the ground I can't understand it to save my life I cannot fathom it to save my life Another thing that's burning me up, y'all motherfuckers hating on Kihei Clark. Uh, I tell you what, why don't one of y'all go up to Charlottesville, go to the local gym, go to the local rec gym, and play Kihei to three? I ain't even going to give you the benefit of five because your ass ain't going to get a dribble. 
you you looking at him comparing him against six six and six five guards that's fucking leaving the game with six points. Hell up. That boy is doing his thug. He is doing his thug out there. And I am surprised as shit. He loves hell and play five four with the soul of a six five jigger. T.I.'s famous line. Get out of here. Get out of here with that. You can take that shit to your back door, put it in your trash can. I I don't know what I don't know what else to do with it. Y'all wanna be extra like spare change? Take it to your recycle bin with your extra ass. But he is a pivotal player. He is a pivotal player in this defense, getting the whole mo going, getting the energy off the bench, getting everything clapping and tuned for the who's. I feel like Braxton needs some more time. I feel like Marco needs some more time. Marco is a little explosive. Marco is a little explosive off the dribble. He can create a shot. Maybe it's not his time, but it's tournament time. We need to go in with different things. We can't go in with the same fucking strategy that we used all season long. Let's slow it down. We're going to play pack line, and we're going to make them outshoot us. Lord forbid we have an off-shooting game because then we're in a world of a, a, a heap of trouble. We're in a whole heap of trouble. But the attention turns to Saturday, man. Louisville. You think they forgot about that game? You know they we gonna give them that. You know they they gonna get our all. You, they coming in. They coming to give us our all. We done got everybody's all every single game. Every, every game this season. Don't expect that shit to change. Y'all look ahead at any game if you want to. You'll find your ass in the rearview mirror. Think about the ACC tournament before this game. Think about the NCAA tournament to see. Fuck the East, fuck the West, fuck the Southwest, fuck the South, North, Midwest, fuck St. Louis, Nelly, it's a Midtown swing, all that, forget all them seeds. All that matters is you go out there and you beat everybody's ass. Every single game, one game at a time, two halves at a time. Every possession, possession to possession, TV timeout to TV timeout. You take care of business. You do what you're supposed to do. What is expected? You see what's expected of the who's these days? You see Juan in the in the combine? Expected. You see Joe Harris and the boys, Mike Scott at UVA, Brogs? Expected. That is the new standard. It is not a hashtag anymore. It is the standard. It is the way of life. We need to act like it. In the new standard, we are not set for ACC titles. We want more. We need more. I don't know how many different ways we can say that. Got a whole goddamn closet full of rolling championships. It's time to get it, baby. We got the team to do it. We got the coach that's taking us there on all fronts, football and basketball. It's time to do it. it the time is now. The golden age is now. We got the. We got probably, arguably, one of the best two duos out here in the country, basketball and football-wise. So, settling for mediocrity or just the, the the limit ACC ain't it fam we own that bitch we own that bitch you know a long time ago the ACC tournament used to be called the Duke Invitational that's what my homeboys be killing me they used to kill me about that shit and burn me up so bad they Duke fans yeah homie 
the ACC tournament, you mean the Duke Invitational? Yeah, let's run that back, because the last five years, you know who's daddy in the ACC? It ain't your boy Roy Williams, it ain't your boy Duke. I don't give a shit how many NBA caliber players you got, how many lottery picks you got. The ACC runs through me, and ain't nothing you can do about it. Your best hope is Tony going to UCLA, but my man don't like the West Coast field. So he ain't going nowhere. You fucking done, son. Stick a fork in it. Your best bet, go get a voodoo doll or something. Start sticking pins and shit. Do something crazy. Because that shit ain't happening. We ain't budging. We ain't folding. We ain't wavering. We ain't going back. And ain't no reverse. So, with that, that's your basketball cut for this week. I'll be back next week because tourney play starts. Now, see, I only like to talk basketball when it's real time. Because it's real time now. It's real-time sports, and it ain't with Bill Maher. It's with your boy, RBA Who. Holla back. Welcome back to the Hill Podcast. This is a beautiful Wednesday here in Carolina. We got a game this Saturday, folks. We got a game against the Louisville Cardinals. They view us as a rival. We do not view them as a rival. They are trash in our eyes. We are the opponent that they cannot take down in their eyes. Uh, ESPN has given us a 94% chance to win. When I tell you the Louisville fans hate us, they hate us. Read their comments, read their message boards, do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> the first thing they talked about when Chris Mack got hired on Twitter, can he beat Virginia? I'll always remember that. Some Louisville fans replied that. I mean, so after we after we win that Louisville game this Saturday, Jack Salt's last game in JPJ, uh, <coughs> we'll have won the ACC for back-to-back years. For, I believe, the second time in Bennett's tenure. The fourth ACC championship in six years. The ACC championship will be held in my city of Charlotte. Uh, the Hill Podcast kind of broke it down. Who will probably be playing um, in order to get that championship game versus Duke or UNC. Uh, Going to break down a little bit of uh, recruiting visits. Got, seen an influx of four stars lately. Going to break down... Next year for the basketball team, I mean, we're seeing potentially three guys leaving now with Kyle's name now being put in mock drafts, which I'll also touch on later. Uh, Somebody asked me if I want to play Duke again. I'll talk about that in the podcast. You guys can guess what my fucking answer is. Uh, Also want to talk about somebody to look out for on the football roster next year. I want to talk about a certain high-profile award that one of our star players, also football, is in for. I believe is in the running four. And then a quick reminder at the end of our podcast. So I'll just call it that for now. So let's get right into it. <coughs> let's talk about this Louisville game. We went, we're 28 and 2. Uh, we play Louisville twice a year. And we just continue playing them twice a year in basketball, once a year in football. And I don't know about you, but they're still not really a blip on our radar, blip on my radar. Uh, we, we've. We've been blessed enough to just utterly dominate that program. They are they are absolute dirt. They are dirt to us. I mean, when they don't have Lamar Jackson, aside from that few years, and even when they did, even when they were ranked in the top five, we almost beat their ass at home. Uh, Louisville ain't no match for us, to put it simply. That's about all I need to say about that game. Uh, gonna be gonna be sad to see Jack Salt playing his last game in JPJ, but. Not really knowing that he's got a long tourney, two long tourney runs ahead of him. Also want to touch on that football recruiting. <coughs> We've seen an influx 
an influx of football visitors of the high-profile kind. You slowly begin to see, you slowly begin to see, I guess, it is a current process, uh, Broncos recruits, both targets and commits, and people that are just visiting, increase in ratings, in profile, in size, in athleticism, because uh, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're climbing the ladder. This is a program that has no ceiling. There are programs out there. I can't think of a good example. Iowa State might be a good example. Iowa State is a program that they can get to where they're at right now. They can be ranked. They're, they're having their glory years right now. They're probably ranked in the top 15, top 20 for the past two years. There's certain programs out there like Iowa State, Fresno State. We'll never really be able to contend for a national championship because the facilities, the money, the, the VAF donors, if you will, aren't there. At the University of Virginia, we ain't never going to run into that. We've had a team that's number one before. We had a football team that almost did it back in the 90s. Sean Moore, Herman Moore, all those boys. Which I think that year, those, I guess that, those series of years, those few years there, you can point to that and say there is no ceiling to Virginia football. There is no limit. You can also point to Virginia basketball. You can point to the opposite program and say, this is proof that there is no sky, <laughs> that the sky is the limit. It sounded like Michael Jordan there when he said the roof is a ceiling or some shit like that. There is, the sky is our limit. You look at what happened in basketball, it was the exact same thing. This basketball program was in pretty much the exact same place as this football program. And look what Tony, look what Tony Bennett Dunn did. Look what Tony Bennett Dunn did. Broncos about to do the exact same thing. These staffs are so damn similar. They they love each other. If they ever sat down and got a coffee, they'd love each other. They are the exact same people. They recruit <coughs> the exact same type of people. They have the exact same values. They believe in building a foundation before anything else. It's 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 uncanny. I gotta tell you, it's uncanny, man. How similar these these uh, these staffs are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of the big the big visit, Jeffrey Emba. I'm probably saying his name wrong, but he's a French four-star. A French, you heard me right. He's got purple hair, and he likes to go by Thanos. This French four-star, Jeffrey, he recently got a crystal ball pick on the site 247sports.com, which is a highly reputable recruiting service. Uh, one of their top writers, Brian Doan, put in a, a crystal ball for him to go to UVA. Now, this man, and crystal balls are usually about 70% accurate, so there's probably a 70% chance this man's going to UVA. And this dude, if you guys know about Ben Smiley, Ben Smiley is one of our higher-ranked commits in this class. Uh, this dude's ranked slightly higher than Ben Smiley. Um, he is a class of 2020, so he joined that class next year with uh, Jameer Carter, um, who's also a very, very stellar defensive lineman out of Severn, Maryland. Um... Very loyal to the University of Virginia as well. He committed early last year, early in the cycle, I believe last summer. And a lot of those guys will fade the waiver, like Antonio Webb, one of the other guys that committed early. He flaked. Uh, but another, but uh, when you see these guys in the early cycles, they usually don't last around as long as Jameer is planning on lasting. And I follow him and his family on Twitter, and they're very loyal at the University of Virginia. They love it. They always talk about it. They always tweet about it. You follow them, you know. Uh, so that 2020 class seems like it may off, may be off to a very, 
very solid start. And let's talk about the NCAA ACC tournament, I mean. <clears throat> the ACC tournament, it's pretty much, I mean, this deep into the season, we've got it broken down to the point where we can kind of pick every matchup. We can kind of figure out where the seeds are going to be. There's only one game left for each team, really. So, you pretty much got a pretty clear picture of the seedings at this point. So, on Thursday the 14th, we will either play... 8 NC State or 9 Clemson. I personally want to play Clemson. After we beat one of those teams, which I'm actually a little bit worried about NC State, uh, beginning of the year I said we were going to lose to them. I was obviously wrong, thankfully. Um, I said our only loss was going to be against NC State. I was. I wish I was right. Um, but after NC I was probably playing NC State. NC State should probably take care of Clemson. I, I don't know. That's, that'll be a close game. But either way, after we beat one of those two teams, we got either four FSU or five VT, probably FSU. And then in the championship, we've got UNC or Duke. I pray, I hope, on everything, I hope it's Duke. I need to play Duke again. I do not want to play Duke again. I need to play Duke again. We need to beat those fucking bitch-ass motherfuckers in their little-ass fucking high school gym. It's. I cannot believe we lost them twice. I, I don't know how it's possible. We are not that much worse of a team than them. There's no way that should have happened. Um, that first game, that first game, we should have taken it. it. It's just that we went into it maybe relaxed, knowing that we had a second chance. I don't know. It's just, if you had flipped it around, I'm not making excuses, but if you had flipped it around to where UVA was home the first game and away the second, we would have won at least one, if not sweep. Um, but, I mean, all that's just shit talk now. That's just fucking loser talk now. We lost. That's over. But hopefully, thankfully, I believe, we're getting another chance. And you know we're not messing that up. I have absolute confidence in our team to get that shit done on the third time. You know we're not messing that up. Off of the <coughs> ACC tournament, we see Kyle being put in some mock drafts. This is the guy that we really haven't seen be mocked to the NBA yet. We've seen Ty, Dre, and Kyle. Not Kyle. We've seen Ty and Dre. Ty and Dre both. Forgive me if I'm speaking over myself here. I'm a little under the influence of multiple concoctions here. But Kyle's being put in mock drafts now. Like I said, we've seen Ty and Dre. So what this could mean is basically a lot of people were suspecting that Ty and Drake wouldn't kind of, for lack of a better term, well, no, everybody knew Dre's leaving, but a lot of people thought that Ty would, between the motivations, combining the motivations of not wanting to leave Kyle hanging, for lack of a better term, and wanting to complete his degree, Ty would stay. But I mean, if all three of them can go at the same time, shoot, they probably will. So at that point, a lot of people will be very worried what state our program will be in. Um, and by the way, if you're curious, the most recent mock had Dre at 13, which I think is ridiculous. He should be top five. Dre at 13, he can defend any position, and he's an elite offensive scorer. He can shoot 46%. That speaks for itself. But, so, anyway, yeah. And then Ty at 32nd and Kyle at 33rd. Um, but that, that brings me to the, that brings uh, us to the next question. So naturally, if you're listening, you're saying, well, what the fuck does that do to our team next year? What the fuck are we going to salvage? Is this going to be another five-seed year where we beat fucking UNC Wilmington by six points in the first round and then get fucking raped by Florida? 
It will not. It will not. Rest assured, barring injury, it will not be another one of those type of years. Because Tony Bennett, vividly, I guarantee you, he vividly remembers that year, and he's not going to let that happen again. So, if we do not bring in a transfer, which we probably would in the event of all that, I project this is our starting lineup. We got Kihei Clark and Morshell splitting time at point guard. Morshell also plays some shooting guard. And then Morshell and Braxton Key are splitting time at shooting guard. Mamadi and Francisco Cafaro, the seven foot Argentinian out of South America, uh, who has just, just looks like a fucking basketball player. He looks like he's ready to go. He looks like a more, much more athletic version of Jack Salt. If you combine Jack Salt and LeBron James, there you go. That's Francisco Cafaro by his senior year. And then we got Jay Huff at, I, I, I guess it's technically called a center, but some, some morph of a center, some center forward mix, Jay Huff. And then surprise six men of the year. If Marco can get, if Marco gets in the fucking weight room and Marco can get his numbers up, I think Marco could definitely be the surprise six man of the year. Potentially carve away, carve his way into a starting role a couple years from now, his senior year. Um, somebody asked me if I wanted to play Duke again. I'm not even going to answer that. And I think y'all know what the answer is. I'm going to skip that topic. Helly, fuck yes, I want to play Duke again. That's like asking me if I want to beat Duke again. They're not beating us three times, so let me repeat. On to the next topic. On to something that's worthy talking about. Other than if I want to play Duke or not. Look out for that boy, Tavares Kelly. 2-7... From Fort Lauderdale, this man's got speed, speed. This man's got four three forty type speed. This man will carve up your defense. He'll juke out your corners and he'll juke out your safeties. And then he'll be wide open against Virginia Tech and drop it. But it, that 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 will uh, that will fade its way out of his game. That will not be happening too much to him anymore. I guarantee he's going to... I see him working. I don't guarantee. I've seen him working. He's uh, he's hitting the weight room like a motherfucker. He's hitting it harder than most of the players are this year. Uh, on a for-real note, Tavares Kelly is working hard as shit right now. Like, he's... And, like, picture that. He's not even one of the dudes that needs to be working that hard. He already had a great season last year as a four freshman, and we already know he's going to be a contributor next year. But he's, he's really grinding. He's coming for the throne. He wants to be that... Give it... He wants to get 100% of the reps at the slot position. He wants to be the go-to slot receiver. And I really, I, I'm i so high on this dude. I, Me and DJ, me and RVA, who both called for his kind of freshman breakout season this year. He was under the radar. He was a low three-star. And DJ and I were both like, oh, hell no. This dude ain't no low three-star. And we saw the flashes. Um, this year he puts it all together. He could... Not leave for the NFL by his junior year, but he could be creating serious NFL hype by his junior year heading into his senior year. Um, a lot of our offense, a lot more than people think, he is Alameda now. He is Alameda Zacchaeus. Let me repeat, this man just took on the full responsibility of number four. Smoke to Alameda to Tavares. He should wear number four, to be honest. Um, I guess he and Seneca Millage, incoming freshman, will kind of split up that role a little bit. So not all the responsibility, but this man is now our best kind of shifty, speedy screen threat. So we're going to need him to 
split the defense on the deep routes and juke some linebackers on the screen routes. Uh, also staying on football, Bryce Perkins is legitimately in the Heisman race. You cannot convince me otherwise. Look at this man's film. Look at this man's stats. Look at this man's hurdle versus the Louisville, none other than the Louisville Cardinals. Look at all that and tell me this man is not in the running for a Heisman trophy this year. And now with the University of Virginia actually garnering some respect in terms of football, uh, <coughs> when I say legitimate Heisman candidate, I mean all caps, legitimate Heisman candidate. Uh, this guy, if he plays well, do not forget that we play Notre Dame. We play the type of teams that you need to get a guy from a school like Virginia that's still kind of, I guess, in the process of a rebuild. We have we play all the teams that you need to get a guy like that national hype. If Bryce Perkins, Bryce Perkins throws for a couple hundred versus Notre Dame and a couple hundred runs for a couple hundred versus Notre Dame after like that's week four, so after three solid weeks to open up the season, he can jump himself right into the Heisman connection around week five. And that would be fun as shit to follow. Retweet every week, Bryce Perkins Heisman voting, all that shit. Just gonna close off the episode with a with your weekly or I guess bi-weekly, every couple weekly reminders. Last year I said nine. I was one off. This year, I am fully confident football is getting at least ten wins, and I believe they're getting eleven. I personally football is getting eleven wins. That is what I genuinely believe, including postseason. Uh loss versus Clemson in the ACC championship, win our bowl game, maybe two regular season losses sprinkled in there. Um, or one regular season loss bring on there. Who knows? Uh, the only game where we'll be an underdog. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to say. The only game where the University of Virginia football team will be a spread underdog in the 2019 season will be at Notre Dame. We go to Miami. I don't think we'll be underdogs then. I don't think so. They're... <laughs> Their transfers are great as shit. Their transfers are fucking amazing, dog. Their transfers are amazing. It has me a little bit worried, but at the same time, we know. We know this doesn't work. We know. We've seen it in the ACC for the past couple of years. Duke's loose band of mercenaries, no matter how talented, or if you want to equate it to football, Miami's loose band of transfers, they don't beat Broncos or Tonys. Finely groomed, loyal to the school, Loyal to the team, loyal to the fans, knows the playbook, been in the building for three years. They don't beat that type of foundation. The foundation that Bronco and Tony set allow us to beat any opponent at any level. And it's funny, I always find myself, it always, naturally, whenever I start to talk about Tony, it always leads into Bronco. Whenever I start to lead, talk about Mendenhall, it leads into Bennett. They're so damn similar, it's not even funny. I tell you, it's wild, yo. It's wild. They're honestly the two most similar countries, two most similar coaches in the country, and it's just a fucking crazy coincidence that they're both at the same school. Uh, That being said, they're both similar in their eliteness as well. We're both fucking fortunate as shit to have them. With both of them at the helm of our programs for the foreseeable future, We're in some good motherfucking hands. That's going to close it for this week of the Hill Podcast. We thank our loyal listeners. We know who you are. Love you. Shout out. Support. Subscribe. Like. Follow. 
Retweet us. We appreciate it. We see it all. Getting merch soon. Wahoo motherfucking wah. Quick update to earlier. Uh, Anthony Emba, the French four-star, who I said was a class of 2020, was a class of 2020 when I had said it. He has since reclassified to the class of 2019. Very exciting news for the uh, Wahoos. Uh, basically, that adds him to an already stacked defensive line class that includes four-star Cincinnatian, 60th overall player in the country, Juwan Briggs, and four-star Virginia zone from the Chesapeake area, uh, Ben Smiley. Uh, and now you're throwing in this guy, this French four-star. This shit is this shit is ridiculous. Now this is a legitimately this is legitimately a Clemson level. D-line, and that may not sound right, but in terms of recruiting rankings, you look at Clemson, not this year, but two years ago, a year ago, it was all four stars. Some of these top teams, these Georgias, these Clemsons, our roster's starting to fill in. That's basically what I'm getting at. Uh, Shit's getting very serious in Charlottesville. It's time for the best part of everybody's week. It's time for the Draft Tap Room fan question. If we pick your question, you'll get a $10 gift card to Draft Tap Room. With 60 self-serve taps of beer and 24 TVs, it's your home for sports on Charlottesville's downtown mall. This week's question is from Big Time Who on off of Twitter. He, he wants to know basically what happens next for the football team uh, during this upcoming season. He says we have a Heisman Trophy finalist, win the ACC championship game, or a top 10 ranking. I'd have to look at these, and I see two of them as a possibility. One of them is a little, just barely out of reach. I don't think we can dethrone Clemson in the championship game. However, I do think we will be playing them in the championship game. But Heisman Trophy finalists last year, uh, there was two quarterbacks in the entire country that had a certain amount of passing yards and a certain amount of rushing yards. Uh, and the two were Bryce Perkins and Kyler Murray. With the Belk Bull shutout, we kind of geared the national media back towards Charlottesville, and I think that could pick up enough momentum for Bryce Perkins to establish not necessarily a winning campaign, but a very legitimate, a very legitimate, talking top five, top eight Heisman Trophy finish campaign. Um, and then a top ten ranking, I see us getting very near to that this year. I don't, I don't know about top ten, but I definitely see us getting around that 12, 13, 14 area at least some point. 